0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Close Encuentro of the Fourth Kind here on another beautiful Friday in uh, Kansas City and in Florida. Uh, so we've got a <laughs> a new venue for for uh, John for this week, uh, but I'm your host uh, uh, in Kansas City, Jude Hunts, uh, Faith Outreach Director for Habitat for Humanity of Kansas City and uh, Utility Adjunct Professor of Philosophy, along with. John Gonzalez here in
1: Florida. It's and yes, I'm the director of parish and community relations at Catholic Charities and professor St. John's University, adjunct professor at St. John's. And it's you know it's funny, Jude. You're you're the you're like the stable person in Kansas City. I'm the Florida. Where's 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 John today? Oh, he's in Brooklyn. He's in Pennsylvania. He's in Florida. Oh, it's I guess yeah. I'm I'm the traveling band here.
0: Yeah, well, well, you know, when I get that, you know, high paying, you know, a church job where I can have multiple residences along this, you know, Eastern seaboard, I'll, you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's a, c-
1: continue with the myth of the church of the, money, but, you know, the great financial, you know, yeah, that's no, right, we don't, I always tell people, especially my students, you know, we don't go into this profession for the money. Believe me, that's just, we do, we go, we go through it right for the heart. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's not your your high pain, high fluid area. No, I have, and here I am because, um, it, again, it, every once in a while, it's, you know, we have our lives and all that, but then uh, we have the personal lives that come in. And, and it's, I'm in that point that, you know, some of the listeners might be familiar with in one way or another, where you got to have to take care, take care of your parents, your, your aging parents. And um, I'm, I'm, I am happen to be the only child. So I don't have uh, a sibling system uh, that we can work with. So it all falls on me. And, uh, you know, my father died back in 2015. And my mom it, it loves Florida and she's active in Florida. That's the thing that I have to just accept. This is good, this place is good for her. I can't deny that. So I had to kind of figure out, how to, you know, be attentive to uh, the needs that that she that she requires. You know, the like the financial stuff, the organizing, and all that kind of stuff for her, her house, and everything here. Uh, and then just monitoring uh, memory issues and stuff like that. So, so yeah, uh, it'd be great to think that. Uh, oh yeah, he's in Florida again, doing the the, the vacationing thing, but. It's been busy just collecting papers and meetings and stuff like that. So say, Levy. I totally understand. So, so yeah, we, so.
0: yeah, let's yeah, let's go on with uh, where we were last week. So, to follow up on our show from last week, we talked about the impending vote regarding Liz Cheney and that vote took place this week with. Not unexpected results, uh, we figured the the outcome was going to be what it was, um, but the aftermath has been interesting, and her speech um, before Congress was really quite um, riveting um, and you know what she had to say was largely what we said on our show last week about you know the the danger of the cult of personality and falling into the big why and and um, that uh, seems to be the road that, uh, the Republican Party's chosen, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it, it's funny this week, I was, um, you know, when I work out, I've got a, a stationary bike here I, and I, I watch different videos, uh, you know, historical videos and whatnot. And I just have a, you know, a thing I subscribe to, and they happen to be one about, you know, the rise of Mussolini in, uh, in, Sicil- you know, in in Italy, and um, um, so I was watching that, and I was kind of riveted into it because it, the parallels there were really quite striking in terms of, you know, the whole cult of personality thing, and how, you know, initially Mussolini had very little influence and whatnot, but in a few short years, you know, this cult persona took over, and uh, you know, came to dominate Italy for for uh, you know a couple decades, and. Uh, to obviously disastrous results, but um, you know, but to see this recurring cycle of things happening in human history is somewhat frustrating for you know those of us who study history and other things, and um, you know we kind of we're kind of in the midst of that, unfortunately. Um, it seems like at least with regard to one political party and. Um, you know, we'll just kind of see what comes of this. You know, Liz Cheney has said she's gonna to continue to fight and stay within the party and try and change it. Um, and, um, you know, there are some other Republicans, you know, kind of doing the same thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes. We hope they do well and, and uh, you know, can pull the party away from the brink. Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know,
1: uh, I'm seeing, I think it's on Facebook, that some producer has come up with a, a documentary um something along the lines of why we follow or something something like that and he's uh, taking the opportunity to interview these octogenarian Germans uh, and who recall being part of those um Hitler youth movements and uh, you know during during the 1930s and all this and just just getting their take on on what happened. Well, you know, how did they perceive, you know, this, this experience, how they, uh, you know, what was socially going on for all this to happen. So, um, uh, you know, all that I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to be curious to see if uh, if that's you know, what learnings we can get what insights we can get from historically what took place again, whether with it's in Italy or Germany at that time with, you know, with some of the. You know, the concerns that Liz Cheney has, you know, has pointed out, I, like you just said, I totally agree. It'll, we have to monitor this. We have to monitor this and see, because I, am I'm, I'm convinced that there's, um, you know, uh, great values in, um. In, you know, great values that go back to the founding of this nation with regards to the ideals ideals of the Republican party and all that. And, uh, and there's a, the role of freedom and liberty to give me kind of a counterbalance. To the whole pursuit of happiness, uh, which is where the Democrats tend to lean to. So, so we need that, you know, that that's what makes America. You need Jefferson as well as you needed Hamilton. You, you need that balance and you need people who uh, you can go with that. But, we're, but it feels like, and I think this is what her, her speech was, it feels like. This 1 party is really losing that. I mean, you can always say that, you know. Globalization and, and, you know, and, and this whole. Uh, the arena that we're, in, you know, every, every party evolves. Culture evolves, you know, the culture of this nation now is not the culture of 1776, but, um, you know, but, but you have to have those core values. And I think that's what Liz Cheney is really making a statement, making a stand, if you will, I mean, she's not alone, uh, but I hope her voice grows and I don't know on what level that could be supported, but that's, you know, that's going to be. We have to evaluate with uh, you know with regards to where this goes. I think it is a I think something we have to take seriously, and us as Catholics, we have to take seriously how our Catholic Church responds uh, to this. And you and I have been talking already about this this uh, you know the, this idea, uh, which I, I find very I find disturbing personally. You know to utilize the Eucharist, the most sacred object of the Catholic identity uh as a, a political tool that actually leans us towards uh, valuing one party over another. that's the way' I'm, I'm seeing this. I mean the the, the the language is far more nuanced um, but couched in the ideals of the fr- of the Catholic fragments known as the cultural warriors. and um, and and so that's this debate is itself a little bit. Um, something concerning, and I was glad to see, and I was wondering if this was going to happen, if the Vatican, if the, if the uh, congregation of the doctrine of the faith was going to get involved, and sure enough, a letter did come out. That may seem kind of, you know, blasé, but I thought, I thought it had a lot to say. I think it really, you know, I, the Vatican is, is, Rome is very interesting. You know, Rome makes a statement, and, and you kind of feel like it's genteel, in some ways and all that. But you gotta, I was always taught, you gotta always look at what they're couching in there and there lies, uh, you know, some of the punches that they're actually having. And I, and I did catch some of the language that they put there that kind of will, will. will I, I think will really force the bishops to really shift how they're seeing this. So what was your take on, uh, on what's his name? Father Luis Laredo, Laredo?
0: Yes, Cardinal Lareda is is the head of the CDF and um his statement was re- remarkable. Um and you know to your point about reading church documents um it, you know uh, Vatican dicasteries are largely composed of you know career diplomats. Um and they go to a special school and, and they learn The craft of diplomacy and diplomacy is crafted, you know, is all about the nuance of language Um, and you have to be able to read these things. Um, Having worked in chanceries, having. Written some of these things um, and reading a lot of these kinds of things you you, you learn. Pretty quickly, you know, how, how, how this game is played and. um, The, the statement was remarkable in its. On the one hand, as you say, this seems rather matter of fact. Uh, but at the same time, they used words and language that, you know, um, uh, for those who <laughs> pay attention to these things, you know, were very pointed. At, you know, and said, "Look, um, you know." So, like for example, it, they, you know, talk about the role of the local bishop, uh, and that's not an unimportant point. That's a canonical point. Um, you know, the 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 CDF was making a very huge point to say, look, um, you know, Episcopal conferences, national episcopal conferences have their role, they have their place, uh, but at the end of the day, they cannot supersede the authority of the local bishop. That's Catholic Theology 101. That's, you know, <laughs> that's ecclesiology one oh one, right from Vatican II, um, which reaffirmed the authority of the local bishop uh, in these, you know, in these areas and whatnot. And so uh, so that was the first you know thing uh but then the second point was much more theological and much more nuanced, which had to do with um, you know using penalties in general um that uh, you know is this a, you know is this the best approach to the the problem you know of a Catholic politician who doesn't necessarily support you know the um the church's teaching on something and It's a little more complicated than that because, you know, on the one hand, the President Biden says quite clearly, look, I accept the church's teaching on this. You know, I don't, you know, go and procure abortions. I don't go and, (laughs) you know, encourage others to do so. But at the same time, you know, he has a position on the civil side where it's sort of a laissez-faire approach to the abortion question. Um, And, you know, it's very permissive and, and is Clearly problematic. Um, and so there's a, there's another, there's another nuance there, not there, <laughs> uh, in terms of what the president actually believes and. Uh, and whatnot, so, um, and, and, you know, and they pointed out that nuance and, and, you know. Um, and it was the 3rd thing I just wanted to point out, um, which wasn't in the document itself, but was in. The response of the document, which was a huge. Silence it wasn't like there was this huge reaction against it. Like, I was expecting there was just a hush. (laughs) That's okay, we got the message kind of thing. Um, And, you know, the shrill voices aside from. You know, those in the blogosphere. um, You know, sort of, you know, abated for a time. So, so those 3 things were to me quite remarkable.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I, I, I focus more right now on the on some of the the issues of the message. One of them that I I also took with me was, um, you know, technically the process of the national conference uh, is one of consensus. I mean, that's not new. That's just that's the way you know they vote. They and you know they they all come together. They're very in a sense they're very diligent in that. I was curious to see to hear though that Rome and the CDF emphasize that. So he's suggesting that they're, you know, they're, they're aware of a dynamic, uh, a click-like um, effect that, uh, that is going on. It makes me wonder how much the uh, report from Spadaro uh, back in late 2020 with regards to the, um, to quote, unquote, the culture of hate or the ecumenism of hate, the concern about you know some of the uh, of the, uh, the you know the the political clicking of the of the cultural warriors, um, you know if if that was if that's kind of like a, a one of the concerns that the that the the universal church is, is looking at with regards to the American Catholic uh, uh, experience, and uh, and so I I thought it was interesting that they were pushing that whole idea not only of respect to, it's it's a twofold thing respecting the the role the of the local ordinary that was mentioned as you just said, but also that include you know for for any big and this and they they definitely identified this as huge this was a huge they wanted the bishops to realize this is no you know you know matter you know on the side here or there that you can just this is a huge piece and it requires every voice to have you know a consensual buy in into that. Which we kind of know, listening to the voices out there. For example, in California, you have Cordelion in San San Francisco, but you have in San Diego. um, Oh, help me out, Um, Bishop. Oh, what's his name? All right, I'm forgetting uh, his name. uh, McElroy. McElroy. Thank you, Bishop McElroy. So you, so you know, you have you have those two voices, and, and they're saying very different things. So. So the Vatican's, you know, pointing that out. The other thing, um, the you know, they they didn't. I thought as subtle as they can be in the in their language, this was not as subtle. Was the point that they were making that you cannot make it just make it seem, which is you know, again, they're speaking about the cultural warrior's voice that abortion, and euthanasia, and they name it. They name those two issues that abortion, and euthanasia, basically, you know, are the the whole of catholic social teaching this cannot give that that misleading impression in the language they use which is a nice delicate way of saying you know that's not true folks <laughs> you know it's not just you, you we can't you can't keep going on saying that because you have Cordelion, for example harping on that but this is the preeminent that's that's the catchphrase they use to to basically make the whole thing it's all that really matters you know and then they say they never say that they always say well all these issues are important but but preeminence you know what really matters is one and two. And that's it. And 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 this message came out saying, "Stop saying that." Basically, you know, this is this is not accurate. But the reception point is a very good one, Jude. The um, yes, it it was out there. It was publicized. You had the media going. I know they they asked Pelosi what she thought, which you know, I and I, obviously the media is going to go to somebody like Pelosi to ask. But that's that's a little bit of just a shock and awe tactic. She is not, you know, she could say what she and she did. She said, "I like, I like the message." Does she fully understand it? Probably not. Um, but of course, they're going to want to get her opinion and all that. And for you know those of us who listen to this, that's not what really matters. I mean, it's it's coming down to how the church authority here in the United States realizes its political role and the, and the delicate balance that it is and. And it's, and many of us were concerned that it's moving in a healthy direction, just like, you know, what we're saying about the Republican Party moving in a healthy direction. The, you know, the, the, the cultural warrior uh, block of our, of our church leadership is moving in in this direction and Rome steps in with this. That's the interesting voice to hear. You're right. The blogospheres, the, the, uh, the, the rightist Catholics who who they'll, they'll make their own pronouncements. And again, that's not important. All of us will have opinions, and I always say that's that's the one thing about being Americans. You know, you and I have an opinion, and our listeners should know not to devalue us, but that is our opinion. We do not officially represent, uh, and nor should we, by the way, be the voice for you. We're just we're offering a perspective that we hope you know will will be part of a, of a larger conversation, because after all, that's the whole idea of *census fidelium. Um, You know, and so, that, so we're offering you know our thoughts and our opinions, but yeah, in. In the, in the local magisterium, in the, in the local um, authority teaching authority here in the United States. It is, it, it does feel like that, that that discussion that was moving, moving, moving just kind of like. Whoop. I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Um.
0: I, well, I, well, how do you read that? Jude? Well, if I can provide an analogy from. The, the not too recent past, um. You may remember seven, eight years ago, the Vatican, you know, had undertaken a a, uh, investigation of American nuns, right? Um, And this was kind of a big deal. The cultural warriors were all excited because, you know, they thought Pope Benedict was going to come down and. You know, you know, a clean house among American nuns and whatnot. And I remember I was chancellor of the diocese here at the time, and I was invited to be a part of a, uh, of a, of an NPR. Panel, you know, about this particular topic, and uh, so I was with the interviewer, and of course, you know, the interviewer, you know, is doing his job. He's trying to, you know, stir the pot, create a, you know, create a thing here, and I, I changed the dynamic, and I said, you know, you know, I said at the end of the day, church is family, you know, and and here we have, you know, as in any family, a conflict among family members, you know, we have. You know, on the 1 hand, you know, the Pope, our father and on the other hand, we have. You know, a group of of nuns and I want to point out, you know, the, the, it was a very narrow group. It wasn't like, this was all American nuns or, you know, even those on the progressive side. There was just a few. And I said, you know, our job, you know. Is to be supportive of the family to create a place where they can have a conversation. Uh, and that we can be supportive of, of both of them because we love our pope and we love our nuns and we want them to to you know to um have a productive conversation that is uh uh one that can be healing and restorative and whatnot and not to create a you know a a, a uh you know a context that is shrill and adversarial and whatnot. Uh and at the end of the day <laughs> You know that's what happened you know uh now cardinal tobin was was placed in the role of being the mediator between the nuns and, and the vatican and he created a process that worked rather well we didn't have the massive you know schism uh that you know people were were anticipating and expecting out of this whole thing uh they you know had a conversation they you know had their process and they had a conclusion and it was fine um and i think that's my hope and my prayer in this context as well, you know, we are not, you know, power players in the church. We don't have, you know, the role of being in the Vatican or with the bishops or, uh, you know, and whatnot. We are family members. We are uh, ones who uh, need to create a place of mutual respect and dialogue that that can be had between members of the hierarchy on this particular question, and to offer our own insights, you know, uh, humble though they are. Uh, as being lay Catholics in in America, and and. Um, you know, the perspective that we have. Uh, on this particular topic with our ministerial experience, our ecclesial experience and. Uh, and whatnot, and hopefully, um, you know, we can, again, create a. You know, a culture where we arrive at, a at at that consensus that I think the Vatican document was was really looking for. The NL, the metaphor you just
1: gave about the family, I think, is is, is so right on. And it's one the Catholic Church loves to use. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones, actually, you know, um, with my students on the Catholic Social Teaching course. There's certainly, you know, there, there's the documents, the, the famous documents, uh, encyclicals and all that. But, you know, there's these wonderful uh, other messages that, you know, that come out. And one of my favorite that I go back to, and I think it's 2008, is Pope Benedict. Uh, and a World Day of Peace message on the global family, and I love it because he he used that metaphor that you talk about, and he says it so well. Um, and uh, and in some ways, it's been repeated by Pope Francis, and and it exists even uh, certainly exists in the language of Pope John Paul II. But in that one short message, he just he says it so well regarding how we gotta when we say global human family, you know, we we can look at it as a very broad thing and all that. But he identifies, like, look at how the family dynamic works and he and and that message he does that he he talks about, you know, how families. Make decisions and how complicated those decisions are and he says that. It's not just this metaphor that doesn't touch reality that reality how you make decisions about uh, financial expenditures. And, you know, as a family, sometimes when you have to tighten the belt, you got to do it and when you do it. You have to make decisions about what's the, what's for the good of the family and what are those priorities, like education, like healthcare, and maybe the luxury and profits and all that kind of type of things just need to fall by the wayside. And he says that's exact same that needs to be brought into the you know the, the to the broader conversation. Well, how come we're not making those same priority decisions? And um, and I think that's you know uh, that's that's so true with with what you're saying as far as the metaphor. Of how the Catholic church not only sees itself, but how it, it develops these these relationships and the 1 thing I can't when you were just talking to you. Did you uh, or my listeners might have our listeners might have heard uh, that famous movie? It's dated now. I think it was before his uh, Spanish and Latino. We, we found it very um, it, it, it touched us. It was called Mi familia. Have you heard that 1? Yeah, that was that was a I. That, that movie, the dynamics. That was a long movie, and it had, I think, spanned three generations. And, all, and in a sense, what made it so powerful was it it touched a lot of us in in you know in, in our reality, in our family experience, and all the complexities. And not not just this whole wonderful you know hunky dory family image. All the complexity, violence, and 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 difficult issues that it brought up, and. I'm re- I'm reminded that sometimes folks, and there was this one sister in the family who really was bent on fairness and justice and all the good virtues and all that. But to a point, even she can go to an extreme. And so, you know, the role of the mother and the father to kind of bring back balance, which is what they were seeking between the polarities of where their children were going here and there, and to still maintain that type of identity as a family in the midst of, Again, the children going everywhere in, in, in everywhere to the political right to the political left to, you know, absolute apathy to a full social justice, you know, wing and all that. And, and sometimes you would just get that the mother stands out. She didn't speak a lot during the movies, but the few times she came in was powerful. She just, she just had, it, it was, it was bringing back the balance. That was almost like her entire role um kind of like saving the identity of the family and bringing back the balance through not yelling not yelling a point you know she would let the kids yell but she would just come in subtly, subtly at the end with like a couple words to say this is what's important you can go ahead and stay stay with your opinion she wasn't like trying to convert you know the sister or the young conservative brother but it's like this is where this is what's you know this is the value that you all need to have and uh And in one time I, I was because I'm a social justice person, so it it was a corrective on the on the sister. you know she had to you know she thought she was saving the world. Well, are you? <laughs> you know she really forced her to ask that question. you know, if you're going to compromise if you basically she was taking a uh uh the ends the um, the ends are greater than the means, uh the ends justify the means. And uh, she said no. No, in this case, you need to pull back and realize that uh, by stepping over everything that we hold dear, we've we we we've the ends have become um, ugly. They just said they haven't they haven't become the uh, the actual justice that you you feel like you're striving for, but you're compromising everything to get there. That cannot happen. And so she's you know, shared her story. So I feel like this letter, put in that context to is exactly what that's trying to do. It's just uh it's the and it's and it's a great thing that we have a Roman institution and we have a CDF that isn't constantly out there verbalizing, oh, this is the way you should think, this is the way you need to think, this is the way you need to go with with this issue. They don't. They let they let all the episcopates, you know, go the places, but every once in a while, that's the role of the mother in me familiar, is that letter that that just got promulgated. Um Okay, pause. You really need to think this a little through, and yeah, and and to have the laity and, and others, you know, again the consensus model put out there, and, and just kind of you know uh, reemphasize it. I think was was a brilliant move, and I wonder if um, I'm going to ask you this, Jude. I wonder if uh, it isn't more than coincidental that Pope Francis's uh, ministry of the catechesis isn't out there uh, around the same time just got you know put out there which is is a nice thing to to give you know umph and legitimacy to the role of religious education religious formation but I think it did more than that you know certainly uh, folks like our colleague Joe Paprocki and all uh, found this very um illuminating and all that but I think it it again did that very thing of we need to highlight and, and, and actually also be attentive to the role of our lay religious teachers and all that um, and, and, you know, and, and put them out there, but be, but walk with them, you know, educate, you know, inform, form them. So, you know, what they teach will be, um, so, you know, this, this real formative aspect of our Catholic doctrine and social teachings and everything like that. But I, 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 I kind of think that that was you know it probably is more more coincidence than anything else. But it couldn't have come at a better time. Though.
0: Well, you know, I, I, it may be coincidence in the intentionality of the Vatican. Although you know, in the divine economy, I, I you know I, I don't think there are, are that many coincidences. And in this particular case, you know, first of all, what they said about catechist is long overdue. You know, it was mentioned by Saint Paul. In his letters, and then it's been ignored for 2,000 years. Uh, And, uh, you know, Francis is bringing that back and saying, hey, look, (laughs) this has been part and parcel of the church from the very beginning. You know, this is a ministry that needs to be validated, you know, long overdue. Uh, Because, you know, the reality is, you know, lay people have been doing this work, whether in the home or in the parish, uh, far more than uh, the ordained and, and religious do. And, and, um it is you know a ministry that uh uh we also have to qualify is one that you know is at the service of the local bishop who's the official teacher of you know the faith in terms of uh so we 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 do the ministry of catechesis in you know in uh solidarity with and and as an extension of the bishop's teaching role in the diocese um having said that um You know, I think there's another dynamic at play in. Bringing up and lifting up. The role of the catechist and it goes back to 2 things 1 is. The, uh, the. Synod of the Amazon, uh, where this whole topic came up, uh, in terms of, you know, the role of catechist, the role of teacher, because that's. You know, in places that don't have clergy, this is the primary contact point for the local church is that lay. Leadership, you know, catechist, um, you know, lay administrator, whatever it is, and you know that's the primary a, a touch point for many people. And um, so, which brings me to the second point, which we're starting to see, you know, here in America, is the fact that you know, you know, we're going to be like the Amazon, you know, in terms of clergy here pretty soon. Um, you know, just in our own local diocese you know we've seen the 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 ordinations wane we've seen men leave the priesthood and now we have huge gaps in terms of covering you know in terms of covering parishes you know my wife is is the business manager at a parish here and for ever they've had their own pastor now they're going to have to share a pastor okay and this is a suburban parish this is not a small rural church or a you know or a tiny urban court church this is a suburban parish that is now sharing pastors because we don't have, you know, the pastors, and we're not, we're not going to ordain ourselves out of this problem, okay? So, uh, you know, the church has to look for creative ways to continue to bring the gospel to people uh, in both sacramental and non-sacramental ways. Um, You know, I'm working with a parish now here locally, you know, on, on that as well. They don't have their own pastor. They share a pastor. They have a deacon administrator. And right across the street are two hospitals <laughs> and you know, how are we going to provide the needs of that hospital? Well, we can do communion services, but we're we're calling upon lay people and say, Hey, look, you know, we need Eucharistic ministers to go and bring a community to people. We need people to read to kids, you know, we're going to, you know, enliven the parish by, by inviting them into this work of ministry uh, in a lot of different creative ways. Uh, and, uh, this document that the Vatican came out with provides us with that emphasis provides us with the fact that you know that the census fidelium isn't just the ordained, you know and the hierarchy that the census fidelium also includes the experience of of uh, right. of everybody right. within the church. Now, the tension point is, you know, and here we're gonna hook into our fairway the uh, the uh, sci-fi thing. Um, but, you know, the but the other part of census of fidelum is the tradition, right? Uh mm-hmm. that our that our present experience is in conversation with the larger tradition, right? And now the problem is, you know, uh, you know, and, and we've talked about this in the past, you know, um very often we can misinterpret the tradition, you know, like the prophecy of, you know, the one, right? or the chosen you know a prophecy mm-hmm. as Yoda said which if misinterpreted uh <laughs> you know and uh so that's why we have you know this constant uh and i want to go back to francis's constant harping on this point of discernment right that mm-hmm. we have to discern and discern rightly uh because we can misinterpret the tradition if we don't right um, and so discernment has to be an essential part of formation, how to, how, you know, teaching people how to discern to, you know, to to use the the biblical analogy of Samuel and Eli, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Eli was there to, you know, to teach Samuel how to hear the voice of God. And then once Samuel heard God's voice, Eli's like, okay, you've got it. You know, you don't need me for that particular role, but you still need me as a friend so that we can share our experiences of god with one another right and to you know and to talk about those and to enrich our own experiences and lives by hearing about what god is doing in in other people's lives
1: and that's why of all you know pope francis come up with so many great documents um and certainly his encyclicals but his exhortations starting with um evangelion gaudium but the the one that i that is un, really unheard of not much emphasis but i think it's Powerful is the one on holiness. He came up with an exhortation on holiness, which is basically like almost like his Jesuit um, uh, document of Jesuit spirituality, and, and that document does a lot of things, and it's all and the focus of the document is for all of us, for all the Catholic faithful in this time where he feels we we really need to reapply. The importance of uh, you know of these not only the values that we have, which is what social teachings do, but also the process for how to you know, how to be in relationship with ourselves and with and with one another. And in it, he highlights some of the the dangers of not applying this idea of holiness, which is discernment, this ability to 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 discern and to to really take the word humility and apply it in every way, because you're 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 part of something far greater than yourself. Uh-huh. And that includes in community with one another. And so you you discern the spirit, which is such a Jesuit um, you know, emphasis. But when you don't do it, he names uh, where uh, here in the current Catholic reality, it falls into the errors of Gnosticism, which I think we need to use that word more and more, uh, because I think it's very real today. We look at it as an historical thing that happened with uh, Irenaeus and, and um, Cyril and the folks in the 200s. But it never leaves, you know, in the Middle Ages, it's, the, it's called the Cathars, the Manichaeans. Um, you know, the, then you have kind of the Pietist movement in the 1700s. You know, there's all these forms of Gnosticism. And what Pope Francis is saying is that it's still here. You know, it, it, and he but he names it. He names it out there and he describes what it looks like. And you can see that in some of the, Again, the, you know, the cultural warrior, you know, uh, Catholics that are out there now on the other end, he also names, um, which is what I deem as my own personal heresy. And I realize that is where I have to always evaluate, you know, the semi Pelagians in us, you know, the, the, the Pelagians, semi Pelagians, the ones who um, identify with, you know, the, the virtues of, of working for justice and doing what's right. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and we can do this, uh, kind of quasi um on our own and and then of course we you know we tend to uh our errors that we tend to forget grace or, or or forget that uh you know that uh you know we may do all the right things for the right reasons ourselves and yet we're missing the point uh of a broader picture and it's you know and that's that stands into forms of individualism <clears throat> you know and so there's there's the error of this radical individualism, the semi-Pelagian uh you know process. So so Pope Francis named it that that document um, on holiness, it's it's one that I think we all should really, you know, take to heart and and take that humility of of discerning. And it and it applies to everybody. It's not just for us to point fingers and say, uh, bishop so-and-so and all that, they really need to 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 listen to all that. Sometimes it, you know. You know, it's one that I read thinking, I need to apply this. I need to be able to sometimes, and I think it's a healthy thing to do, name your own heresy, not as a way of shaming yourself, but to realize, yeah, this is where my tendencies are towards. So I have to be aware of other ways, other filters to, you know, to, to do, to listen to, to, to evaluate things. And then how can I, you know, overall discern this and see what is the right thing to do, um, even though my tendencies might be to to, to frame it, uh, you know, in this direction or that direction. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, I think discernment is something that the letter from the CDF is really having the bishops uh, integrate in this process. But I think it's one that we all need to apply and we all need to um, just take some time, not not with answers, but with. Let's sit with this. let's let's consider uh, you know all these all these aspects, and let's let's not forget like the mother and me familiar, the most fundamental thing is our our unity, our unity as a people and And in that regard, what does it mean to be in this context Americans? what is what does it mean for the Republican party to to embrace, not to not to see themselves always in dichotomy against the Democrats? Who are they? Identify who you are. The Democrats need to do the same thing, by the way. You know, they're not in any way off the hook. You know, and who are we as a value? And not to do the same thing that the opposition is doing is to always see ourselves in opposition to, to the other party, which is kind of where, where we're you know falling into, into now. No, let's let's you know take some time, establish who we are, what's our values, what do we stand for, and then how do we work together? As a bigger family, and that's the thing, the Republicans, and the Democrats, you've got to see yourself as part of the American family. <clears throat> you know, it's the, this whole, and, I, and I'm hoping that I feel like that's Liz, Liz Cheney's uh, heroic effort here is to do that with the Republican Party. We have to, uh, you know, see how the Democratic Party can, you know, can, you know, have that take that opportunity as well. And then, and then maybe you know, come together with a united vision.
0: How that happens, who knows, but I'm hoping the Catholic Church can become a model. With what yeah, it's going to be. I think that's right. And, um, you know, I to close out our show here to a segue toward a conclusion, um, you know, everything that we've, you know, talked about, the humility, the the, the dangers of Pelagianism and Gnosticism, the, uh, the theme of family and unity, discernment and dialogue, if we don't go down these roads <laughs> as a possible anticipation of a, of a topic next week, look at what's happening in Israel, okay? Uh, if we don't go down this road of discernment, dialogue, family, okay? We could be going down the road of Israel and Palestine, okay? These rigid inflexible positions uh, that are tied to identity uh, tied to cult of personality, um, all these things that, that we are in the midst of being challenged with in our own culture, um, let that be a lesson to us, um, that we might, you know, avoid that road uh, so that we can have uh, a more peaceful uh, future here and perhaps be a model to places like that, you know, as a way of getting out of that cycle of, of vengeance and violence that that uh, is, is ever present there. So, um, dear listeners and readers, we thank you for being with us again this week. Um, continue to share with us your thoughts on, uh, and experiences on discernment and dialogue as we, um, look to create a culture within the church, within society where, uh, dialogue and discernment and family are the, are the models for going forward together as, as a people of faith, as a people of God as the family of God. So uh everyone have a great week. All right. Great weekend. Amen. Amen.